Welcome back, guys. Episode 19. Episode 18 is a lost episode. There's a whole story behind that. It was actually a great episode, man. Like, I enjoyed it. I thought we did a good job. Talked about Luka Doncic, how he became Luka Legend. Paul George became Nod George. Draft Lottery, we talked about that. We talked about the woes in Philly. Charles Barkley called in. Y'all missed that. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be on our, our Lost Tapes album. We're going to have a whole album full of Lost episodes. Yeah, for he had the bloopers for um, the Patreons. <laughs> yeah. Darren told us he, who he trade uh, Harden for. Y'all missed that. <laughs> oh, wow. Now, I, I got it. I, I need some insight on that. I know that's his boy, man. I, I need to know. That's a selling point right there. For real. That's why y'all need to check every episode out. Oh, yeah. And then Dr. Fauci called in, told us how to cure COVID, all that shit. Oh, y'all got the inside plug. I'm jealous. Y'all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. So, uh, anyways, introductions real quick. I am Panavinci, and I be multitasking like a motherfucker. Um, I just got, I just got the game on now on my phone. So, forty three, thirty four bucks. I don't know. Maybe they're making a little run. Um, this is Karan, and I be fixing my computer issues. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I I am Darren, and I be not having any computer issues, but. We're going to have a lot of edits <laughs> for this episode. <laughs> for real. <laughs> and then we have a special guest, um, half of the Wild Gents podcast, half of, or a third, I'd say. Yeah, one uh, third. You got to. One third of the epic podcast, Wild Gents, everyone needs to check out. And half of Crew 5-4, we have the legendary Eric Morgan. Man, it's your, it's your camp, folks. Eric, and I be tired of this Texas heat. I'm done with it. I'm, I'm oh, over God. it. All the way. Bruh. Bruh. Dude. Dude, the humidity today. Ah. Real talk. Like, yeah. Ugh. I don't know. Like, I don't, I, like, you know, nah, I'm not going to say it because I was about to be like, like, you know, you just get angry. I'm glad I don't have a lot of guns because I just be outside shooting at the sun. <laughs> like, I just, <laughs> just be outside. <laughs> <laughs> Try to bust a hole in the sun, like you done lost your mind. That's disrespectful. Yeah. This heat is disrespectful. I'm sorry. Yeah. I walked it's outside impressive. last night and I wanted to fight somebody. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's all that. So go ahead and um, shout out your your podcast real quick. Oh man, shout out to the Wild Gents podcast, man. Um, uh, with the homie G and the Van Gloria Cihova. She is not a guest, no matter what she tries to tell you. She <laughs> is a part of the podcast. She got a drop and everything, man. We just, man, you know, we just love to get on there and talk hip-hop and current events and grown folk shit and probably stuff we shouldn't be talking about. We get on there and talk about <laughs> a little bit. So, <laughs> sophisticated no, tomfoolery is exactly what it's all about. <laughs> yes, indeed. No, I seriously, I listen every week and um, and probably more than all the podcasts I listen to. It makes me just bust out like just in front of people. You know what I mean? Like, Man, I appreciate that. It's it's, it's kind of crazy because it's like, man, it's just the evolving of what we've been doing since we met. I've I known both of them. Yeah. Well, I've been married about 14 years and I've known G about as exactly as long as I've been married. And usually that's what happens. We just get together sometime a week and talk a lot of shit. And we done took it for video. Now we podcast. We just got it out there, man. And I yeah, it's, it's a skill. 
I appreciate yo and Darren. I gotta get you up on there, man. Like I, I want to do. We we were supposed to do the whole thing where we, you know, go back and forth, man. So oh, uh, word. We, we just gonna keep it going, man. I'm with it. I yeah, need, I need that. And maybe we could figure out just how to get everyone. I don't know on a live feed like this. But this we is get dope. At it. This is dope. I like this. So I'm I'm definitely stealing this. You just you <laughs> yeah. just got jacked. Letting y'all know. <laughs> we'll figure it out. All right. So just to get right into it, um, got some takeaways here. For me, I was kind of like thinking about some of the Paul George issues. And I mean, he's a player I really like. I mean, when I see him play well, I'm just like, I think it's breathtaking, man. I think he's a damn good player. But then his struggles were so weird, right? Like, I guess for me, I'm like, uh, when he, he kind of explains some of it where he was at in his head and and it kind of goes along with some of the mental health issues that people have been talking about in the NBA, which is which is good that people, you know, can be outspoken these days. But it's it's got to be even more so in this bubble situation and coupled with, you know, Everything going on at once, uh, from pandemics to racial injustice and flat out murder. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, so I don't know. I, I took it as as a great excuse. I mean, I'm like, I can see how it can overwhelm people. I mean, what do y'all think about that? Well, you know, you have to talk about Charles Barkley. That is, and <laughs> just how disrespectful he was. About Paul George and dealing with mental health issues and and how that affects your psyche and how that, you know, obviously can affect your work. And basketball is a job for Paul George. So, like, if something happens with you or your family or something happening in the world, when you go to work the next day, you might be affected. That's kind of a normal thing. These guys just don't have normal jobs. Um, And the other thing I'll say about that is it affects people in different ways. And we all watched that jazz nuggets game last night and watch jamal murray go off of 50 points and then yes. see the post-game interview after the game and dude was obviously messed up like his whole situation he could barely breathe he was hyperventilating he was crying so he was having a mental health kind of you know issue as well it just manifested itself different it was just all adrenaline and he just pushed himself to the limit So it affected him in a different way than it affected Paul George, but he was obviously having issues as well. And I think that's kind of the thing that people aren't thinking about is that, yeah, it affected Paul George in a negative way, but somebody else, he just took it and pushed his body to the limit and he was kind of out of it. He was just in the zone. And after the game, dude was just like in the tunnel, just on his knees crying. Like he was messed up too. It just happened in a different kind of way. Right, man. I definitely think that it's it's tough, especially when you look back at what Charles was talking about. We kind of got like you know we getting kind of that age where we're you know on the cusp of old headism and <laughs> dealing with the the younger cats. So it's like 
I can see it both ways. Like I could definitely see being in that bubble, being away from your family. And people got realized like they're way more pandemic lockdown than we are right now. We can still go out and, you know, we could be doing this podcast together because people are just living life. People acting, especially here in Texas, people acting like it's all good. So they're oh, in yeah. this situation. They don't have a family. They don't have a squad. You know, most of them roll with 20 some people, you know, and it's like, Yes, you're rich. Yes, you're in a you're in Disney, the happiest place on earth. You can golf and all of that, but you're still kind of locked off away from you know what keeps you sane. Whether it's your family, whether it's just the normal things you would do on a daily basis, and then to have a slump in the middle of that when you're supposed to be the nice, like yeah. Mm-hmm. man, like it's it's a player out there that can go can miss a bunch of shots. Don't Lou Dort. Don't nobody care if he missed a bunch of shots. That actually helps us, you know. What I'm saying? <laughs> but like, like Paul, like you know, playoff P. You got that nickname, and mm-hmm. when you start, when you're not performing. People going, ah, man. The end of this cruel, man. Chuck, I have to say, I, I love Charles Barkley. He's probably my second, third play, best favorite player growing up. Yeah, me too. But man, I was the worst. <laughs> I was one of the worst <laughs> it was. takes that I think that I've heard just in anything generally lately. Um, it's it's interesting that Chuck. I think you're right, um, Eric. In terms of Chuck is like a you know he's just kind of like well, just grin and bear it and yeah. get in there and do your job. And you know the whole thing he comes from, able to. right? And you be paid billions of dollars, yeah. But again, like Darren said, I mean, I don't really have a whole lot to add there because really, that's that's pretty much what it is. You don't know how people process. You don't every. It's not like a cookie cutter thing where everybody processes certain things that are happening in the world or in your own life and how that stuff synthesizes, and you know comes out and it just be clean on the other side. That's not how that works. Every player is not going to be able to take that energy or their situation and make it into gold or they get into lemonade. That's not, that's not how that works. It's not a universal thing. So just to be like, well, you should just do this. I just thought that was like super selfish and like, I, I just, I hated it. I could, for like a whole two days, I was like, man, fuck Charles Barkley. <laughs> but then I realized he was just—he's just an old knucklehead. So right, right. You yeah, know, it is what it is. That's who yeah. he is. And it, it, the thing that bothered me about it, two K, is he's kind of walking back. You know, kind of like this global maturation of like how black men process and how they can be emotional for sure, and how they can deal with things, and it's just like, oh no. Nah. You just he his whole thing was like ain't nothing wrong with Paul. He's just saying that because he had a bad game. Like he's just using it as an excuse. Ain't nothing actually wrong with him. He just said, yeah, he thinks that Paul's a liar. That's basically right. what he's right. saying. And you know what? I'm not gonna say that Paul not telling the truth, but or he is or isn't telling the truth. But if somebody says something, I'm gonna take him at his word. Right. Like we're yeah. men. Can you, you have say the something? Yeah, I'm gonna take. To, I'm gonna get take you out of your word. Right. Hey, man, one thing we know is that, you know, Paul George is not my favorite player, but we know that he knows how to play basketball. Like, in, right. in, yeah, you, you, he was having problems doing that. Something's going on. Whether or not 
you know, all of the other stuff. We know he knows how to play basketball. So you got to, if he says, man, that this is, you know, a dark time for him or whatever was going on in his head, you got to take his word for that. Because unless we just going to, you know, do him like Markel Fultz and say he got the yips or something. Like, <laughs> right, 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 right. I thought it was his shoulders. I mean, it might yeah. be, man. Yeah, I thought it was his shoulders hurting, but I, I don't know. I mean, he seems fine now. That last game, he was he was hitting. Last yeah, two games. Cooking. Yeah, they he woke his ass up. This is some bull. So, well, that's good. So, um, uh, Kay, what's your takeaway? My takeaway is that Dwayne Wade is the future. He's the mm-hmm. past, the present, and the future. And <laughs> now, what I mean by that is you look at the players, some of these players, I just take Jamal Murray. You just mm-hmm. look at somebody like um, – uh, Donovan Mitchell. Mm-hmm. I mean, these guys are basically cut out of the mold of that that Dwayne Wade is probably their combo guards. Not that there haven't been other combo guards in the league, because there definitely have. But I don't know very many combo guards that have been before Wade were as effective as Wade was in doing what he did. Right. So right. He kind of was this kind of interesting middle ground between like 6'4", 6'3", 6'4", um, seemingly undersized, but could handle the ball, could could shoot. He wasn't a great shooter per se. These guys are better shooters. But mm-hmm. I see, you know, I'm like, wow. You know, I didn't know if Dwayne Wade could be replicated. You know, I thought he was kind of a unique player, but I, it looks like there are guys that are doing, they're going to be able to do then, you know, they're going to similar players and the NBA is embracing that sort of combo guard thing instead of it used to be like, oh, he's a combo guard. Like it was a pejorative term mm-hmm. back in the day. Like either, oh, he can't really handle the ball and he can't really he's not really a true score shooter scorer. So he's kind of in between. It was kind of, you know, people would come out. I just think at the top of my head, Sean Respert from Michigan State. There's all kinds of random guys I could think of that were combo mm-hmm. guards that people that weren't given an opportunity because the league wasn't just where it is right now, where that sort of in-between niche is uh, celebrated. So I just want to say shout out to Dwayne Wade for being like a, a trendsetter, a, a prototype for uh, the guard, some of the guards that are in the league right now. Uh, I think I look at even Devin Booker, I mean, Devin is definitely a he's a big he's a little bit bigger. He's definitely a purer shooter. But it's just kind of how he manages the game and he can handle the rock. You know, that's a that's a different thing. You weren't again, you talking about just a generation before they weren't asking guys to do that. It wasn't a thing where you did this and you did this. You did a thing. Like, you know, Reggie Miller, you shot the ball. If you were like Mitch Richmond, who's the first person before Wade that I can think of that was similar. They didn't ask him to, to to start up the offense. That's not what his job. His job was to get the ball in the, at the mid post of the block, and then they were passing the ball, and he would muscle people for a turnaround fadeaway. It didn't matter who it was. Mitch could score yeah. anybody, but that was his job, to score. right? So these combo guys that can do the variety of things, I mean, I think that's a, it's kind of changed the game for a lot of guys. And, you know, it's, it's interesting – what I think is interesting about what you said is that you're absolutely right. And I think it's such a good assessment to say D Wade 
and not Kobe. Because yeah. Kobe was a little bit bigger. And, you know, two or three inches at the shooting guard position in the NBA is makes a big difference, especially in the era things. Kobe played in. He came in the league right. in the mid-90s. Um, and, you know, y'all know I've, I've been around Wade. I've interviewed him a couple times. And he's not a big dude. Mm-mm. Like, if no. K, K standing next to him, Dwayne Wade is not much taller. Like, not at all. He's not a big guy. Um, and I imagine the same with, with Donovan and, um, you know, Murray and another guy, uh, Ja Morant, who's 6'3". Mm-hmm. Right, right around that same same height in a smaller build. Um, so, yeah, Kobe's a different thing. I think Dwayne Wade's like right there, right in that perfect space of like that combo guard that's slightly undersized. I remember how much they were comparing him to Kobe when he broke out. You know what I mean? Like, um, and then obviously the longer he played, the more he separated himself from Kobe, you know? Right. Uh, he's a different player, you know? And that's just, yeah. I, go, I go back to draft boards and people talk, you know, the NBA draft and just how, how much they, how much grief they've gave, they gave guys that were six, three, six, four when they mm. were shooting guards in college. And it was just like, I remember there's this whole slew of guys who just were already being written off before they even made it to the league because they were somewhere in between instead of right. like making a way for these guys. And, you know, with the, ex- with the exception of Murray, most of these guys were mid-major guys, too. Right. They weren't at big schools. Exactly. Because they weren't given a chance to go to big schools. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So they're like. This is the generation of kids that, you know, that are like, oh, this does work, actually. And we should be trying to recruit these guys. We should be trying to play them and let them do what they do. You know, um, Panda, your guy, uh, Lonnie Walker, I mean, he's another one that he was one of the first people that when he was being drafted, I just heard nothing but Wade comparisons. I was like. I didn't know they were doing way like that. I, you know, usually they go to the Kobe's and the Michaels or whatever. Yeah. But when you start seeing these guys come in and they're giving them the Wade comparison, that lets you know, you know, that dude he meant something. Yeah, I, I remember because um, obviously I wasn't, you know, watching Miami games or nothing. But uh, Darren is the one who said, "Yeah, if if he's hanging around at around that pick, y'all should really think about picking him up." And that's when I looked him up or whatever. And then they, they actually did pick him, which, you know, as a Spurs fan, you're like, we ain't, we're probably going to get some, you know, some long European player that can <laughs> guard. And uh, I'm, I'm always excited when they get some kind of an athlete. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very excited for that guy. I'm proud of you, Panda. He is a Spur, <laughs> but you did know what school he went to. <laughs> there you go. I'm proud of well, you. I watched. That's interesting. I watched a lot of Miami games. Now, my Spurs players, I know every every school they went to, at least. <laughs> so uh, that's a great take, Kay, because uh, I think that's that's something to kind of keep an eye on. Uh, D, what you got? Um, well, I want to talk a little bit about um, the news that broke really early this morning, actually, about uh, John Thompson, uh, head coach of Georgetown for many years. John Thompson Jr. Um, passing away at 78 and just about, you know, his his influence, not only as a coach, but as a father figure for a lot of very talented, sometimes lost um, black boys who became great black men. Um, 
you know, you don't take that lightly when you hear guys like Allen Iverson say, you know, Coach Thompson saved my life. Alonzo Mourning, you hear him say, Coach Thompson saved my life. And, you know, the relationship that he had with Patrick Ewing, the relationship that he had with his own sons and their maturation process and grooming them to be, you know, head coaches in college basketball as well. Um, you know, you just think about him as a mentor and his legacy and kind of what he meant to college basketball, being the first African-American coach to, to win the national championship in 84. You know, he just has like this, this really, really, really big legacy. And he wasn't just a good coach or a good man, but he really cared about the advancement of black people, black players, big facts, people on staff, um, getting jobs, getting positions in basketball. And, you know, he was one of the first people, one of the smartest people to spearhead the Nike sneaker situation in college basketball to kind of turn that process into, you know, um, you know, a, a financial gain, not only for the college, but for himself. And, you know, not letting schools and, and companies just kind of run all over people. He was just such Absolutely. a pioneer in so many ways. And it's it's a huge loss, man. Yeah, man. Rest in peace for real. That's tough. Yeah, yeah absolute legend. Um, I think you kind of. Kay, I know you, um, we were talking about this offline the other day, but you um, uncovered a really amazing story about not just about John Thompson, but about um, another NBA great that he coached. And I yeah. wanted you to tell everybody about that. Yeah. So, you know, I was listening on uh, a story. The Kembe Matumbo was on Knuckleheads, another, you know, super dope NBA podcast or basketball-based podcast with uh, Quentin Richardson and um, uh, Darius Miles. He told an interesting story about how he got to Georgetown. He was not there initially to play basketball. He is from the Congo. I guess at that point it was called Zaire. And he actually came over on a basketball, excuse me, on an educational scholarship uh, via some relationship with the U.S. government um, in his country. And so. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he wasn't even there to play basketball at all. Um, he was, he had picked, you know, he had a variety of schools that he could pick from and he wanted to, you know, to be in like in a big city and da da da. So he picked Georgetown. And so what ended up happening was the embassy, as he was arriving, the embassy called Georgetown, like the athletic office and told Thompson and he got, he got relayed over to Thompson. Like, Hey, um, there's this seven foot African dude coming here from the Congo. You might, you might <laughs> just want to see what he can do. Let's go check on him. That's crazy. Let's go check. Let's go check him out. We'll go, you, you, you come see about him. See what he talking. And about. so he he did not play his freshman year, of course, because you know he didn't play. He got him on the team. I don't think he was even on scholarship that first year. It wasn't until he was a sophomore that he started playing, and then he started playing against Alonzo, and that's how he really sharpened his iron with Alonzo. Sure. Alonzo was the, was the big deal. You know, he was the big high school recruit, you know, McDonald's all American. I mean, at the time Alonzo was, uh, you know, aside from Shaquille and Christian Leitner, Alonzo was a, was a huge deal, especially on, like East coast basketball. So he was like, if I can guard Alonzo, I can guard anybody. 
in the post. Like, there's nobody I can. And with Patrick Ewing coming back into play during the summer times, so it would be it would be him, Zoe, and Patrick Ewing. Like you know, and Patrick would tell him what to do. He's like, "Yo, you got to do this, young fella. You got to do this. It's how it's how hard you got to work. Get a two a days. You got to work on this. Your part of your game." And then John Thompson had the good knowledge, of course, to tell him. He, I guess he told Alonzo more. That's the same thing. Hey, man, you do two things good. You're gonna play in the NBA a long time. You rebound and play defense. Rebound, play defense, and that's obviously what Dikembe did. I mean, that's just you know, and and Thompson gave him that tutelage. Right. And just having that lineage there at Georgetown, I mean, it's it's that's just incredible. Oh yeah, it, it really is, man. And you know, you know, Big John was a player himself. Obviously, you know, played for you know Red Arbach and and the that's Celtics. Right. You know, back in the '60s, won a couple championships in '65 and '66, uh, yeah. backing up Bill Russell. Yeah. Um, mm. So just an amazing, amazing legacy, a great, great man. And you can throw the Fab Five out the window. You can throw all these other teams out the window. Big John was the first black dude, black team, doing what the fuck they wanted to do in college basketball. He kicked down the door. Not to cut you off, but you know what's crazy? If somebody said this today, and I thought about it too coming up, like I did not know Georgetown wasn't a black school until I got older because, you know, watching John Thompson and the men's basketball team, like you think this is a black school because it's a black coach, all black players in a time where you just didn't really see that, especially in college basketball like that on a major level. And, you know, just the impact that he had in that, that the impact he had on just, you know, the culture, as well, yeah. not not so much just basketball, but the culture. Yep. Like, how many people didn't couldn't tell you where Georgetown was, but had Georgetown gear, you yeah. know, or they was ingrained to some school because that's where you know their parents went to, or that's what they were coming up. But they had that Georgetown gear, you know. <laughs> they had some shorts, uh, the, the the Nikes when they came out. That it's just how important that was to the whole culture as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I saw it everywhere in Texas, in Austin, Texas. So there goes that. Yeah, that's a that's a huge loss. Um, th- uh, they didn't say exactly what it was he passed from, did they? Um, he had been sick for a long while. Uh, yeah. I don't know that there were any actual reports confirming what um what you know happened specifically yeah so yeah we just gonna you know leave it at that and yeah and you know just really appreciative of his legacy and what he was able to do in in black culture in sports and you know for for black men yes indeed. absolutely big facts you got a takeaway for us eric uh mine is pretty general kind of goes off of what uh Karan was saying just as a fan of the nba man i i you know, I'm I'm very loosely tied to any team. I don't really have a team that I pull for. So I really observe players. And I just got to say, man, no time have I thought that the league was in better shape than it is now going forward with some of these young players that we got. I mean, just the things that you're seeing with Mitchell and Murray, what they're doing, um, you know, young guys like Zion and that whole New Orleans team, what they got going on, the rookies that are playing so well in Miami. Like, those are rookies. One of them is undrafted, like, that are stepping Mm -hmm. up on this stage. 
and, you know, coming out to ball, man. I won't lie, you know, just as a fan of the Kobe's and the Mites and the big names, as they start to die off, you wonder, like, what's next? Like, who's going to be the one to step up? And you got the Giannis's and so many other guys. I'm, I'm so anxious to see a healthy Devin Booker with a, a good team around him. Like, what we're going to get, man, I'm so excited about that, man. Just catapulting, you know, seeing some of these young players take it to that next level and knowing that the league is in good hands, I'm really happy about that. Yeah, that's that's a great observation. We, we've been saying that, actually, as a podcast. We're like, I, I think we just flat out said it. We think this is the best talent that we've seen. In, yeah, in, yeah. Out of all the years, you know, and we're, like I said, we're older heads, so. We grew up in the Jordan era and even before that, you know. Yeah, this is the best version of the league to me, in my opinion. Best version of the NBA. The most talented version of the NBA. Just very broadly. I'm talking about from, I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah. like I was, we were looking, we were, we talk about like the, the Jordan times. And I remember when he, Jordan had that 63 point game and I'm a harp on this. <laughs> there were dudes, there were dudes coming off the bench for the fourth, the, the Bulls and the Celtics that were playing big playoff minutes that would not even be in the league today. Big at all. There's big no minutes. Like, yeah. okay, so I mean, I don't want to be like, you know, Jordan trash because he's not. He's awesome. But look, there were guys <laughs> that was that was not gonna play. Dudes that was never gonna play today that was getting big minutes. Jerry Seiching. I agree with you, but I think you have to compartmentalize that because there are guys in high school now that are more athletic and more skilled than guys that were playing back then. It's, it's just like, like Derrick right. Rose and Russell Westbrook and like that whole like class of athletes was better than the one before. And this generation with, Murray and Russell and Morant and Booker are better than the one before them. Like people, like people just keep getting better and more athletic. Like you think about, you know, when we were growing up, like the move that you had to learn to be effective was like the jump stop. Like you dribble, you get to your position, you jump stop, you get your bucket, you get your layup off, you get your floater off. Right. Now, like the move that you had to, you know, learn five years ago was a Euro step. And now Absolutely. today it's like kind of like an extended version of the Euro step, which because you can almost kind of like gather and then take two more steps. So it's just like a progression of ways to play the game. Kids are getting more athletic. So it's hard to say like, OK, yeah, those guys in the 80s couldn't play now. But like they had, they just didn't have a shot. They would have no shot because they just don't have the tools. They weren't yeah, even I, thinking of how to Euro step or jump stop or, you know, step back. Like, it's, it's it wasn't even a thought. Yeah, I think roles were way more important back in the day. Like, you were the rebounder. That's there what you, you did. Go. You came in, you grabbed eight rebounds and got five fouls. Right. And you you yeah. like, that's, that's what you did. You know, yes. now it's like, oh, if you just grabbing rebounds, but you can't hit the open shot or you can't pass the ball to do anything – I don't know how much you're going to get playing time. <laughs> it was like now, I mean, I think about some of the most talented guys. I mean, like, 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 say Zoe. Zoe can't step out and hit the long three. So what do we, you know, is he getting the same run in today's game that he would have got? Let me answer that. Let me answer day? that for you. 
Zoe not playing today. Let me just go and answer <laughs> that for you right now. Right. Okay. Zoe not playing ball. Okay. But <laughs> Zoe not even, he's he getting some run because he's a good player. He's yeah. a great defender. He can rebound. Okay. But he's setting picks. He's, he's Kyle Quinn. Picks. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. He is a better version. He's Kyle. He is like a luxury Kyle Quinn. And Kyle Quinn okay. can actually hit the shot every now and then. <laughs> I just have never okay. seen Zoe put a three up. Look, so I'm like, what's he going to do? So that's what I'm saying. Like, so that's 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 ultimately my point. This is the best. These guys are yeah. just more. They're more better. They're more talented. They're just more everything. Yeah. Um, just better. That's it. Just all around better. I'm talking about from the starters all the way down to like the 15th person on the bench. I'm with it. Right. Right. Yeah. And, it, and it's not just athleticism. Like, and that that's kind of, you know, that's the bigger point. You know, is yeah, any any athlete can be a great athlete, but you can't even be in this league and just be an athlete. You know, I mean, like, uh, right? We saw like, what the Spurs did with uh, with Jonathan Simmons, and like they actually turned him into a player they could use. But then, you know, once they took him out of that system, he was just like a useless athlete. But he's not even in the league now. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's that's crazy. what I'm saying. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so that's a great point. Uh, and I think we see that in uh, Mr. Enfuego himself, uh, Jamal Murray. Oh, uh, last week, Yeah, last week we were harping on uh, just the amazing things Luca was doing uh, just to kind of keep proving the point. But, uh, man, Jamal Murray is just he's just unconscious, man. And we saw we've seen we've seen uh, glimmers of it. And it's funny because he's like. He's still young. I I don't like when people throw all these expectations at him. Like even last year, I'm like, calm down, man. Like he's got plenty of time. And then when you see him his his streaks, you're like, man, there's something here. Like this is, and we're seeing it this year. Like in big games, he did it in big games last year. But I mean, he he would he would fade away. But like you know, again, it's it's scary how good he could be if he actually keeps getting better. I mean, if you just got to look at it, the fact that coming into the playoffs, Denver was looked at as Jokic and the boys. You know, it was kind of like a it was kind of like a uh, an in sync situation. It's like, man, we got Jokic and them dudes. You know, even with Jamal Murray being as good as he was, you know, he wasn't he wasn't healthy. I don't believe he played in the early games. Right, coming into the bubble, I don't think he played in those early games, or so. You know, it kind of was like, how good can Denver be, you know, if Jamal Murray comes back and it's okay? Like, can they be good? Nobody expected this. Like, even with his ability to do it, nobody expected 50, 40, 50, 46, 50. That's nuts. Well, just really quick, what's obviously amazing is to kind of see the back and forth um, between him and Mitchell. And... And this is like such, and I, I always circled this series because I'm like, this is going to be just fun to watch, watch them. And, and I, I was, I was like scared of how dumb I looked saying, you know, cause it, it was looking like, you know, it was going to be a uh, four, four to one series and um, Denver comes back and this is what I wanted to see out of them. And, and neither of these teams need to, need to, they need to not overthink what they're doing and just keep on doing what they're doing. They're both young 
and they both have a lot of great tools and something to build around. And in this era of blow it up and instant gratification, like they need to not do that. I agree. He's just, and you know, I know Kay kind of talks about this, you know, sometimes in terms of, you know, at one point in time, a lot of people thought the breakout player on that team in terms of guards was going to be Gary Harris. And, you know, of course, Harris had some serious injuries and he's been out, you know, really just came back the other night. But, you know, I, I think to Murray, to, you know, to his advantage, although you never want to say a guy getting hurt is to anyone's advantage. But, you know, Harris being out really allowed him to get as many shots as he needed. And, you know, with these past three games, 50, 42, and 50, he shot 71%, 65%, and 58%. So averaging, shooting over 60%. That's bananas. And scoring that many points. Like, he's just – and, you know, he's doing stuff. Like, he's on a, in transition, just pulling up for three. Like, it's nothing. Like, it's, it's, it's not even a thought that he's going to miss a basket. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's not even thinking about missing shots, like, which he shouldn't, of course. But, man, he is – I mean, I watched him in school um, at, uh, at uh, Kentucky, and he was not this guy. Like, he, of course, again, he's playing at Kentucky. He's got, you know, three or four other, you know, lottery picks on the team with him. You know, Always. he wasn't really getting this many shots, getting this many looks. And, you know, that's kind of an interesting thing, too. You think about that. Just like you got guys with that ability who don't even have the opportunity to break out like he's breaking out just because they're on a team with Joker. They're on a team with, you know, um, Porter and, and Harris and Grant. Like, they just don't get enough shots. But if he's a focal point of your offense – is like the sky's the limit. Man, yeah, can I go ahead? Go ahead, Eric. My bad. You go ahead. I just I, I told Panda I had some fire for this man. I was oh go ahead. Oh, I've been okay. for this, man. I've been, <laughs> go ahead. You said your favorite guy was Charles Barkley, man, and I I, I heard his take today, and I that's why I said kind of about the old headism because I, last night I was screaming at the TV. Like, how do you let this guy keep cooking you and roasting your punk ass and you don't do nothing? I'm not talking, I'm talking about a, a not a double team, not to get the ball out of his hands early and then make him get the ball back again. We just gonna let him dribble nicely in the shots and keep frying us with the fricassee and we not gonna do nothing about it for 50 points. <laughs> what kind of what? What? Are you supposed to, Denver's supposed to be a, a, a defensive team? That's what y'all, that's what, no, I mean, not Denver, Utah. Utah's supposed to be a defensive team. And they just sitting here looking at this man get buckets. Nobody, like, I wanted like them to have Marcus Morris to just sign up for like a 10-day contract and go slap him or something. Like, do something and not let this dude just, you know, hit you with the Gilbert Arenas hibachi yeah, over and over and over <laughs> again. I was like, what am I watching? Quinn Snyder should be ashamed of himself for not making that was ridiculous. any adjustments. That yeah, was like, weird. that weird. was Coach Buddenholzer type of no adjustments. Like we just go keep, we go live or die by this thing we do, which is not doing nothing, and we just go let this dude, you know, give us the business over and over again. I just wanted to see one different action taken at him, like with 
even if you got to give him the Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, we're going to stop you at half court and give, make you get a ball up. Like, we're going to make right. somebody else. We're going to make Joe Ingles beat us. If Joe Ingles goes off and hits 30 in the fourth quarter, cool, we lost. We was just destined to lose. But we already see what you're doing. We're not going to let you keep doing that. I we'll just didn't Ingles. understand it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Or, or wrong team. I'm sorry, my bad. Jeremy Grant, somebody, anybody. Like, yeah, I know what you meant. I know what you meant. I know what you meant. I couldn't believe it, man. I, I, that was the most. I just wanted to know, and I've heard all the great things about Quinn Snyder. But if I was a Utah fan in that moment, I would have been calling for his head. I would have been like, "No, get this dude out of here! Not he can't come back for Game Seven. We need to get him out of here because this is trash." Especially like, for yeah. a closeout, a game they should have closed out. Yeah, um, they could have closed that on anyway. Um, yeah, I agree, hundred percent. Like how you let a, a single player. Like there's no way. I'm when he goes up in the air, I'm cutting him. There's no way. You're not just getting shots. Uh I'm putting somebody in the game. I mean, I'm not trying yeah. to hurt him, but we're gonna see what your body feel like. You're like, we're gonna see what was good. Like you can't just be letting him do whatever. Like you got to somebody gotta check him out of bounds. You gotta Steve Nash him. You gotta do him how some some kind of way. It like, wasn't even like with Harden when they double team him, he get the ball out of his hands, and then he run off a bunch of picks and get the ball back and do all the stuff. He was like walking casually yeah, in the jump was, shots. Like yeah, he, was, he, was, he came with the blick and he was just ready to shoot at anything. And they was just like, okay, we just gonna let him just do what he do. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I know that the the Jazz don't like to come out of their sets. Yeah, uh, I think especially defensively, I think they really believe in who can guard who. Um, I think that's part of it too, and I think they don't want you know. But I think at some point when a guy's just pulling up, like Darren said, you just pulling up just from three, just every single time from almost the same spot. His 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 spot. Yeah, you're not even making him shoot a different three. You're letting him shoot the same three from the same spot every single Bye. time. Ridiculous, and you know, Karan, this this it's funny you mentioned that because you know we talk about this just you know as guys who you know play basketball our whole lives. Even if you're playing against a D three player who didn't even start but just shows up at an open gym one day, he's not gonna miss no shots. No, he's not. He's not gonna miss he's no not, he's not shots. Nothing. And I'm talking about a, a D three player that didn't even make the NBA that maybe started a couple of his college seasons. He's not going to miss a bucket if he's open. So what do you think an NBA All-Star is going to do if you don't put a hand in his face and you're letting him shoot the same shot over and over and over? These dudes can do that in their sleep. They can do it blindfolded. He's not going to miss. It's nothing at this level, at their their level. At that level, he's not going to miss or he's going to shoot 70 or 60%. This dude hit his own teammate with the Hove high school crossover waved away picks. Don't bring nobody else out here. Just let me do what I'm doing. And he said that, and the other team was like, cool, don't take nobody else out there. We just going to let them do what he do. I've never seen that before, man. I just think about all the great players. I think about the steps. Like, if, yo, if you put two, three guys on him and he still cooks you for 50, cool. You couldn't do nothing about that. If you... Do something to get the ball out of his hands. Some adjustment. Make the fourth guy or the next guy beat you. You just don't let that guy 
who we know is hot, who we've seen do this to us, continue to do it to us. I just don't get it. I just yeah. want to with the, 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 the disrespect. <laughs> That's my thing. It's the disrespect. Like, you're not even, you just going to let me shoot. That's the other thing. Like, if I'm Jamal, I'm like, y'all not even trying to, I mean, I'm going to get my shots up. I'm going to get it. But y'all not even trying to get it out of my hand. Okay, cool. Now I'm really going to roast you because you're not even trying to get me out of my flow. You're, mm-hmm. you're just going to let me. We just What you're basically saying is like, no, we don't really believe in what you can do. Yeah. We're going to let you do that. It's like Quinn and Malone were like directing a movie. You know what I mean? And just like, <laughs> right. Let's have, let's have this little special moment. This is like the little, you know, end of the game situation. And y'all got the camera set up. All right, cool. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was during the Jordan documentary uh, when they were talking, telling the story about, uh, I want to say it was Larry Bird. And somebody was guarding him. He just kept talking to the other team's coach like that dude didn't exist. He's like, man, we out here playing five on four. Like, you might want to put somebody on me because I'm a, you know what I'm saying? Like, why don't you have anybody guard me? (laughs) It's disrespected. And that's what I felt like, like, yo, at some point, if I'm cooking you, you know it, you are getting, you got the flames all up your ass. Like, you're going to do something <laughs> to change that. And they did nothing. I mean, just, I just wanted to see, like, I literally, and I'm not, a, I'm, I wasn't rooting for either team, but I was literally just as a fan of basketball, screaming at the TV, like, <laughs> what am I watching? What is going on? Like, I was really like an old dude, just ready to throw something at my TV every time. They just let this dude just casually dribble into the shot that he wanted. Like, <laughs> I was like, yeah. what is going on? I mean, I love it. It's 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 like a Disney movie. It's it's just you know they're there in Disney. It's just it's just fun. I don't know. Like I'm glad it's kind of playing out that way. But uh, yeah, I'm here for the drama. I'm with good best. Yeah. Um. So we had a few things happen um, since last week. We had actually there hasn't been too many games. Uh, Jamal Murray is probably the highlight of what two days worth of basketball. A lot of the games actually weren't very good this weekend. But um, because they paused the games, I don't know how you want to say it. Uh, there was a boycott or a strike. There's a number of ways to say it. Uh, so just real quick, or I don't know. Obviously, the games are back. But um, how important do y'all think it was to at least give that a try? Karan, I want you to I want you to kind of tap in for a minute to talk about the language to talk about the, the boycott versus the strike uh, and why that's important. Yeah, like th- what made it unique, uh, a boycott is like <laughs> you're boycotting to some sort of a service. Okay, like <laughs> these are these are impl- laborers. Okay, so this is was a, not a boycott, but yeah, a... Yeah, because boycott right? Right, mm-hmm. you boycott like the bus, like they did like in the 50s and 60s, right? You know, that's yeah. a bus boycott. That's a, that's an economic boycott of whatever kinds that you, however you want to kind of word that. Um, well, we, we, that's, a, that's got different language together, but I think the language is important here to call it, make sure that people call it the right thing, which is a strike because a, that's what it was. Okay. These were laborers um, in a union that chose to not play for socio-political purposes, which had really never been has never been done before, at least in team sports. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I think that, and you know, they were willing to, you know, we're talking about forfeiture of money, forfeiture of, you know, a lot of different things that was that, that were on the table. I mean, they, these guys were talking about striking for the rest of the season. I don't think people really understand how the gravity of that, even right now, um, it was real. Cl- that was real close. It sounds yeah. like it was pretty, pretty fairly close, at least for like a hot minute. You know, while everybody yeah. was kind of hot under the collar, but. A strike is not a boycott. It's very important to get the language. I'm I'm very much as a writer or anything. um, I'm very much about the importance of how people talk about a thing, anything. Um, So a strike, I mean, that's that that it says they did something with force. They did something in force, in numbers, in mass. and they, they showed their their power. They showed their force. They showed their power in a way that had not been done before. Ever. Well, and they had they had demands. Right. And they had demands and they were trying to. And the Bucks were on the phone with the with the with officials in Wisconsin, which was, you know, I mean, in Milwaukee and in, in Wisconsin. So it was just like they were, you know, and then they got together with the league. Right. And they're like, no. You, we need to do this and this and this, and you join together and you make your stadiums into voting centers. You know, Which so they great. had some things. Uh, exactly, it's amazing, and it's, great. it's it's what they were able. The players were able to get done is going to have ripples beyond this season, beyond what goes on in the bubble. This is this is cementing themselves as like, no, we're not going to be run around. You're going to do, we, we degenerate the, the revenue here. You don't. Yeah. We do. Um, so right. and, we, we, and you, you're going to get us what we want. They even had immediate impact on other sports, like within right. a yeah. 24 hour yeah. span, like baseball games were, were not played, you know? So it was, you know, they, I'm sure they're going to have a long-term effect, but they even, you know, kind of crossed the picket line, so to speak, to other sports with more stoppage of play. Which right, yeah, that was crazy. also never happens. Has never happened. I yeah, mean, I think um, one of the things that I was actually um, I was pretty impressed by is because, like, the WNBA they've been doing these kind of things the whole time. You know, Man. you see, they went on, they wore those shirts against one of their own owners where. Their their owner was supporting um, political things that they didn't feel was in line with the league, and they made those type of statements. And so it was like, okay, the guys are catching up. And then they took it to another level. Like, they took it to another level. We're going to stop, and we're threatening to stop this. And like you said, um, people don't realize the money implications that is on hand for just the bubble alone, let alone not for this year, but for the league going forward. So if yeah. they didn't get the money from this, there could have been a whole league stoppage, all types of things that could implicate on further seasons for the league. So there really is like the, the fact that they were saying, we're willing to put all of that on the line for these things is pretty important. Whether or not, you know, it's going to have that long lasting impact. All it takes is sometimes for people to just stand up and make the decision to do something. You know, how how we go forward from here. I like the fact that they were speaking with, you know, you know, trying to get in contact with the legislator, talking to their owners. If you don't believe that these owners have political 
um, positioning, then you're a fool. Like these rich owners have the ability to reach out and do things because like it's been shown, not, not all of them were down with Black Lives Matter. Not all of them down were with having statements put on the outfits because it doesn't affect, it affects their business because their business ties are with a lot of um, political interests. So it was pretty interesting to see, man. I was really proud of them um, for at least deciding to say, hey, we're going to do this because we're tired. Now, I, I want to see where it goes from there. Yeah, I, I'm i really interested in see because football's coming up, <clears throat> what direction that's going to go. I mean, if football doesn't even happen, but that's a whole nother thing. Um, but I think what they got, you know, across is that literally Black Lives Matter. Like, I think they they sealed that deal. You know, it's like, look, this is a black run league because without us, you don't have a league. And, and that's what I think the Quran picked the perfect word a strike because it just put the power in their hands. And, uh, I think they, when they decided to come back and play games, I think they, they thought it was in their best interest to do that. But man, it's to, for them to come together and, and decide on that. I think they it showed they got muscle, you know. Absolutely, it really is, man. It really is. It is. I mean, they do. I mean, they're this. You know, look, it's one of the most powerful players associations. You know, probably. You know, shoot, they might be one of the more powerful disassociations of, you know, independent contractors. Just like at least notable in the world. I mean, obviously the 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 players associate the, the players union for baseball is is number one because they continue getting uh, driving back no salary cap and getting paid you know fifty million dollars a year to play baseball, so they clearly are getting the best deal of all the the unions. But um, the NBA, I mean, they just they shape culture the way baseball doesn't anymore. Baseball doesn't shape anything anymore. Nah, it used to be right. the the everything. Basketball shapes things. I mean, football. Mm-hmm. The football players can't shape anything. They can't do nothing. They can be well, famous, I be cool, but I don't. You know, it's, we'll see. We'll see. But I don't see a lot of strength there, honestly. You can't, I mean, I, I kind of agree with you, but then you can't tell me that they're not watching this and and thinking about it, right? You but they I mean? have much more to lose because their their contacts aren't guaranteed for sure. Um, for sure. And their careers have such an unusual, yeah, run time. You know, it's just the, the run time of a regular career, shelf life of a career. That's probably the better phrase. Shelf life yeah. of a career is just entirely different, especially if you're a running, uh, you know, offensive running back that's running into things all the time. So, yeah, your yeah. value is can fluctuate, and it's you're not like, you know, let's, yeah, let's just take Trey Burke. He has more value relative to the NBA than like Leonard Fournette does. He just got cut by the Jackson Michiganville Jaguars today. Cut. He was right. cut. <laughs> he's like a fantasy hero just, you know, a minute ago. Right. He's exactly. And he was cut today. It's crazy. They're more valuable to fantasy owners than they are. Like, right. You know, <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. I mean, it's Leonard so Fournette. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Breaking news: got a dog fight. 
uh, over at the bubble with uh, Miami and Milwaukee tied up at 73. Um, That's going to be tough. So. I'll tell you this. I think um, unlike last year where Toronto was really the only team that I think Milwaukee was worried about, I think any of the four teams that's made it this far could come out the East. Real talk. Boston looks good. Well, I'm going to tell you what. Only only the Bucks will be able to beat one of the teams out of the, the West, though. Yeah, I, I'm not mad at that. I agree with that. But I definitely think... I tend to agree with that, yeah. I think that, I mean, the Celtics, I mean, they just got so many pieces. I mean, Haywood, having a healthy Haywood will make them even more imposing, but I'm not counting out Toronto. I mean, they had that bad game. They just got steamrolled. That was one of those games where they could come back next one and beat the Celtics by 22. So I don't know, man. In Miami, this is ridiculous. What they're doing down there is crazy. Okay, so now we are we can talk about these matchups real quick, um, just real fast. Um, but yeah, uh, Toronto-Boston, hopefully that's a good, nice, fun series, but I have a feeling like those balls are going to start going in for Toronto. Like, cause it was, it was like weird. <laughs> like, those, like yeah. I've seen them, like the ball would hit every damn part of the rim and just pop out. And it's like, what? Yeah. For uh, sure. So it, it's, it's, that was a weird game. And it's not even like Boston, you know, had 130 points or anything, but, um, but I, I would like to see nice long series just, just out of my entertainment. But uh, Milwaukee, I, I tend to agree with that. It, it just feels like they're the only team that can maybe even match up with whether the Lakers or Clippers, which it's funny because we, we were talking about all these matchups before, and I just still see all the favorites coming through. You know what I mean? Well, I just realized this now. You know, I was talking earlier offline why the Bucks, why um, uh, Frank Mason was playing and it's because Eric Bledsoe was hurt. I just noticed that. Yeah. He is not playing in this game. Yeah, he did, he did, yeah, he's not playing. I got Frank Mason in there. Um, George Hill started. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, George Hill, George Hill is like, he's a good all-around player. I mean, he kind of, he can kind of like adjust to what you're doing, you know. Uh, as I say that, he just busted one. Um, yeah. So, the West, um, the matchups we're looking at there tonight, uh, looks like Houston should seal the deal uh, and uh, end up playing the Lakers uh, next round. That's, (laughs) I mean, that that could be over quickly or it could be (laughs) one of those long, drawn out kind of well, Houston type series. You know what I mean? I want to know what Darren has to say about this. What's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, y'all, I, you know, y'all aren't going to agree with me on this. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there right now. Lord of mercy. I don't think you can say anything else. I'll but Go ahead. I'll I, 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 d- I don't, I don't really see how the Lakers beat us. I really wow. don't like other than AD scoring his like 35 and, and 15, they can. Okay. We're going to score 120 points a game. We're going to have maybe two games where we shoot terribly out of six or seven. 
just yeah. on average. That's what we do. We have two games where we can't make a basket. We can't hit anything. But every other yeah. game, we're going to score 120, 120 plus points, and the Lakers cannot score. Not with us. They okay. can't score with us. They probably couldn't <laughs> score with Dallas. They could beat Dallas because Dallas doesn't have enough, but they're not going to be able to score enough points. Oh, wait to- a minute. I just, I just heard a buzz. Was, was that your dryer, Darren? Are, you, are your uh, rocket sheets out? There? Are they done drying? <laughs> I, I don't know why this is this this is not like wild. This is not a crazy take that the Lakers can't score points. Like that's it's it's that, not even that. It's not even that. It's it's that it's the ease in which you think that they're even going to score 120 points on the Lakers. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a more physical game. It's going to be. They're more experienced. The Lakers are more experienced. Um, they have a massive advantage. They and have like, two really two experienced five. players. No, no, no. Listen, listen, listen. If we're talking start, about Bron and Danny Green. Well, okay. <laughs> no, you Lebron and Lebron and Anthony Davis gonna score thirty five apiece. That's 70 points right there. It's all you really need to do is find 50 other points. To, Can you to, watch this team? <laughs> no, but, this is, but yeah, I hear what you're saying, but like who's staying in front of LeBron? Like who's going to stop him from just scoring at the rim? Who's If they just throw the oh, ball on the block, who's going to even – he's just going to turn around and dunk the ball. That's the same DJ's with Davis. I mean, Davis so, might have 35 at halftime in each game, man. Just right. So, oh, you yeah, Davis is net. LeBron's, they're going to have, right, what, 65, 70 points between the two of them. Right. Right. But the key with the, the, key with the Rockets, though, is you, they have to do two things they have to generate turnovers, okay? And they Jeffrey. have to figure out a way to get more shots than the other team still like they can't be playing one to one. Like this can't be a situation. They have to have make it lopsided as far as turnovers. That's how they beat teams. It's not just the shooting of the ball, right? You have to generate a lot of, so if you're always pulling the ball out of the net yeah. and you're not running kind of this frantic pace where you can get up a bunch of threes, I just it's hard for me to see like I don't they don't, there's not even nobody on the bench like they don't have nobody on their team right now except for Tyson Chandler. Tyson and, Chandler, come on! I mean Tyson Chandler ain't gonna get no. I mean he might get some run, but he's he not get scored on <laughs> exactly. So now he you're not, playing nah. Jeff Green yeah. in the post. You change Jeff Green at the five. You're playing I, PG at the five. Look, man. I it's go man. That's gonna be man. Rockets will be lucky. Uh, you saying the Rockets gonna win? The Rockets will be lucky to get a game. What? Lucky to get a game? I'm trying to tell you. Oh, I may be the wrongest I've ever been in my whole life. I just I can't see it. I can't, <laughs> see, it. I just can't see it. I can't see it. I again, my my thing is right. I think turnovers with the Rockets are a huge thing, and they do need second chance shot opportunities, and they're not gonna get any rebounds. They're just not new. Right. New. Damn. But again, we are we're just we're kind of cooked in for at least 115, 20 points. If the Lakers I don't think that's the case. If the Lakers can score 110, which is tough for them, 
they'll beat us every night. But I don't Eric, think they'll score had, that every night. You had a question for Darren? I just want to know where your confidence is in getting past OKC. I mean, I know y'all up 3-2. Oh, I'm just, but you talking, you talking reckless like it's over. I'm, like, I just, I'm interested to see. No, that's over. That's over. <laughs> I mean, hey, I, know, I definitely the Rockets, think they'll close out. I just, with the Rockets, um, the way we shoot, we're always going to have at least, at least two games where we can't hit nothing. And to OKC's credit, they found a really great guard for James. Like, I can't think of homie's name, but he's got James all bottled up. Uh, Lou Dort. Dort. Lou Ludens Dort or whatever his name is. Yeah, He's a yeah. really good defender on James. Like, he's actually perfect. He's big. He moves his feet. He doesn't give up much weight. James can't really get around him. But the reason why they lost uh, game five is because he tried to shoot eight threes and didn't make one. Well, who do you think is going to guard him in crunch, in crunch time for L.A.? What? Who do you think is going to guard James Kyle in crunch Kuzma? time? Kyle Kuzma? going to annihilate him. Because <laughs> Kyle's no. an idiot. But they're going to – I'm going to tell you the one thing what the Lakers going to do because we've seen it with Dame. Like, yeah, you go still – Hart is going to get his points. But he's not going to yeah. get them easy one-on-one cooks that he like to get. Like, that's not – and I know a lot of people try to do that to him. But I just don't see the Lakers just, like, yo, putting – uh, Alex Caruso on him and let him just, just give him the business for 40 over and over again. Like, I, I'm not really? saying you're going to stop. I'm not one time saying you're going to stop Harden because, man, I have to give it to you. I, I was late, super late. He is hands down. Him and KD, to me, are the most unguardable offensive players in the league. That True. being said, I don't think they're going to they're going to at least make it interesting for him. I'll say that. Yeah, and it you know it also depends on Russell's health, right? Yeah, if he can do yeah. what he wants to do, if he can get to the rim and and create some chaos and kick out to the shooters, that's that's going that's going to be a big thing. So really depends on his health too. But I, I I mean again, trying to take the bias out of this, the Lakers are not running away with this series. I'm not guaranteeing a Rockets win and they get to the conference finals. That's not what I'm saying. But just thinking that the Lakers are just going to run over the Rockets, okay. I don't think that's going to happen. That's, so, that's way left. This reminds me of that Seinfeld episode where, you know, Jerry kind of had this theory that like, hey, I always break even. Um, <laughs> it's something what happened to Elaine bad it did yeah yeah what happened like, good to George yeah <laughs> yeah like, for some reason it always just evens out for me and then like he th- they, uh, Elaine throws a $20 bill out the door or out the window and then he ends up finding another one in his pocket and Crazy. it's just like and that's that, that's kind of the Rockets like they kind of always end up being the same thing because because they rely so heavily on these you know, numbers. It's like Ultimate Warrior, or is that what, is, what was the show on Spike? Um, <laughs> where where oh, they matched up like uh, that's right. I can't think of the name. Yeah, Deadly's Warrior. So they throw in, they crunch all these numbers, and they're like, "Well, the Rockets have this percentage, and they just if they shoot this many times, we'll do a little bit." And they throw it on a machine, and it just it computes like it spits out the number. Like Darren said, that's your number. Is that enough to win? You know what I mean? And so it's like... I mean, that's that's kind of it. But that's... That like, is it. <laughs> again, but that's, you know, that's kind of what I'm saying. That's not a Rockets thing. That's a Mavericks thing. That's a Nuggets thing. As we've seen, 
it's just it's kind of becoming more of a league thing. It was just a D'Antoni thing for a while, but now other coaches are trying to replicate that same system. I mean, they definitely got the shooters around him. I mean, I hope they don't have one of them games they had last year. It was like where they missed 23 threes or something. They're going to. They're going to. Yeah, and then they're going to make it back. And then, like, they could be ahead by 30 and then, like, win the game by three or something like that. Like, Mm -hmm. like that's they're Jerry Seinfeld. It's that, it's that same thing where, like, they throw out the money and, you know, they what find it like under. See. I'm going to what's going to what's going to make me realize if this game, this series is going to be short or not is if the Lakers do get out to a lead and then close it because, you know, they've they've done that a few times. They'll get out to a nice lead. You think LeBron is done in the fourth quarter. A.D. might not come back in and they let a team get back. And then you got to bring LeBron back. You got to bring AD back. Yeah. Like even that game five against the Blazers shouldn't have been that close. You know, it, should, it, it, it really shouldn't have been. I think they were kind of grooving it a little bit. <laughs> I think they were grooving. They were letting Melo do a little few, little too much in that game um, <laughs> on purpose. Because I think they knew what, what time it was. Like, Y'all not going to beat us. We're going to let Melo do his thing now. Yeah, we're gonna let you get. Look, it was just—it was a wink, wink thing. Ain't no way. There's no way you put LeBron or somebody on. No, you're not cooking LeBron like that on the regular. LeBron was shutting down Kawhi Leonard. He's not. He's not. No, he's not letting <laughs> Carmelo Anthony just do what he want in crunch time. That's not how that works. No, nah, it, it was just like, oh, we're gonna move around. I'm gonna, let, I'm gonna do a shove my feet a little bit, shove my feet a little bit, and let you score. You know, we're gonna. Yeah. Oh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna say this because so we could yeah I'm just gonna say this so we can move on to another series. The this season in three head to head matchups with the Lakers, the Rockets won two of those three games. Mm-hmm. In those two wins, uh-huh. uh, they won one thirteen to ninety seven, one twenty one uh-huh. to one eleven, and then uh-huh. the game the Lakers won, they scored one hundred and twenty four points. Okay, so again. For me, with the Lakers, it's a point thing. I know LeBron and AD are going to do everything they want to do and then some. But can the other guys give them 50 points or 40 points or whatever it needs to be to match the Rockets' point total? I definitely wish they would have got Jamal Crawford, even though he got hurt. I wish they would have got him over Deion Waiters. I'm not mad at Waiters Island when it works, but that's like a, man, win, win. It's like a win. Like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like okay when this works it's all right. good but there's a lot of time looking for the win when is that gonna happen the lakers definitely have issues and and I, I gotta be i mean i'm i was stunned that portland couldn't do more than they did just because man they were so hot like i just thought it would carry over at least a little bit you know but and the lakers shut that down with a quickness and yeah. i i'm not saying that the rockets won't I'm not saying they're going to sweep them, but like there's not going to be good games. They're going to be ugly one way or another. I think I can see that. I just, I just can't see if they're having trouble. They're having trouble with OKC. How do they go? How you just, I, I just, it's hard for me to understand, like to take that mental leap and be like, Oh, they just going to give Lakers problems. Like I just, I can't see again. I think especially not locked into matchup, a playoff series. I think the matchup with Harden was kind of an ace in the hole that nobody knew about, and that won them a game. 
they were always going to get one game that won them a game. Portland was always going to get one game. They got their one game. They might have gotten two if Dame didn't get hurt. Maybe. Maybe. I think that first game for Milwaukee and the Lakers was that wake-up game. It's like, okay, if you got that that switch to flip to be the championship team, yeah, now you got to hit it because these other teams ain't playing with you. So I definitely think it's not going to be a situation where they come in and sleep on this Rockets team. Like I or or you know I don't think it's going to be a situation like that, and I'm not saying it's going to be a four or five game series. I just think, man, when the way LeBron is cooking, when he wants to do what he want to do, and with AD, if AD show up, like to me, I'm more worried about AD. What AD am I getting? Am I getting you know? Um, am I getting? Am I getting pre-playoff P Paul George AD or am I getting wow. <laughs> am I getting like the AD that we got the last couple of games? That's what I'd be more interested in. He's going to eat. He's going to he's going to have Jamal Murray numbers. Cuz he's going to have Robin Covington or Jeff Green yeah. or PJ Tucker on him. Like he doesn't have yeah. to do anything. He could shoot over everybody yeah. on the floor at any time. I'm just he I'm will just kind of personally excited yeah. because the Rockets are playing the Lakers in the playoffs. That just never happens. Like That's for whatever crazy. reason, yeah, yeah. it never happens. Um, and LeBron, yeah, LeBron, the Lakers, so yeah. LeBron and Harden matchup. I, yeah. I love that. Yeah, but no, AD he's gonna post up, which Stephen Adams won't do for whatever reason. Uh, but yeah, it, I'm interested to see it. But like, I just kind of feel like it might be an ugly series. <laughs> I think uh, Garan's probably like. Probably got a big smirk on his face still. <laughs> like, I know that. Right. I'm just sitting here like, mm, that's going to be nasty. <laughs> I mean, look, look, no, this is the thing. Now, obviously, you know, anything can happen. The matchups could be, I mean, it could just be a bad matchup. I mean, I'm looking right now, you know, the Bucks, you know, Heat them, they up on the Bucks. They giving they giving the Bucks some work and Giannis not really taking a lot of shots for whatever reason, which is very unusual. He's taking eight shots the entire game. He's five for eight. I, I, I saw one of his threes and it just looked like one of them them ugly ones that he kind of you know when well, he's kind of in only, his own. He said two or three, two of his three threes. So that he's going he's going to airball like two threes a game. There's no question about that. Yeah, he needs to stop airballing free throws is what he needs to do. Yeah, he's doing so that he's every game too. Three for eight yeah. from from the free throw line, and he just you know they not so yeah. so real quick. We're gonna go ahead and start wrapping it up here. Um, really quick, uh, I guess we'll see the Lakers and either the Jazz or the or or Denver, which you know it could be interesting, but it could also be I don't know. I think the Clippers kind of got woken up a little bit, and uh, Kawhi is looking like a robot again. Uh, so. I, I, whatever, whether it's five games, six games, I, I see the Clippers kind of cruising. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't really see unless you know Paul P. Paul, I mean Paul George goes to that dark space again. I don't think this is gonna be tough for them, man. Kawhi, hey man, Jesus. <laughs> he was doing was, some stupid shit the other I'm day. I'm just watching him. I, I have not seen anybody just get the shot they want as easily and 
like I want this, that's what I'm getting. Like it's not yeah. like, oh, I'm gonna take the shot that you give me or he's not doing the the Murray, I'm hitting crazy shots or whatnot. Wide open. He, even yeah. LeBron is like, yo, I'm shooting from 40 feet and hitting crazy shots. No. Kawhi is like, I'm going to this 19 footer, I'm hitting it. I'm going to the hole, I'm you getting it. That's what I want. Yeah. I'm getting it. And I'll see you on the other side when I'm playing defense. Like <laughs> It's crazy. Yeah. So that's – does anyone disagree? I mean – No, I think if they get Denver, it'll be fun. But – Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. But, yeah, the way the way Kawhi is, is playing, you know, when he's on the floor, it's, it's clear that he's a champion. It's clear that he's a finals MVP. He's just like mm-hmm. two cuts above everybody out there, even though they're all-stars. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. All right. So there's that. And just real quick, just kind of wanted to give a little, another rest in peace. Good Lord. To Chadwick Boseman. Um, We're, uh, it it was just kind of like, I saw it in the thread and I was just like, come on, what? Really? You know what I mean? And uh, I still feel that way. It's, it, there's so many, I don't know. I was watching the MTV music awards for whatever freaking reason i mean like, I, was, I was totally out of my element watching that but to see all the deaths this year yeah uh, man obviously huge ones that are just kind of like this isn't real kobe um this is another one on that level because it's like i remember i don't know the first time i ever really seen him i'm like god this guy has got chops i mean um, we we would joke about it before how he would kind of just anytime there'd be historical black figure or something they'd be like yeah, Chadwick Boseman, you know what I mean? But yeah, because you know he's gonna do it. Well, even even James Brown sounded like a stretch, but like to see him do it, I was like, God damn, this dude! Yeah, yeah I think what's what's interesting about his skill set is that you know he played Thurgood Marshall, he played James Brown, he played Jackie Robinson. Yeah, And obviously he doesn't look like any of those guys. He doesn't have the build of Thurgood Marshall or anybody like that. But he did no. it and he pulled it off and he did it well. Like, you know, Jamie Foxx and Ray was great. And he actually looked like Ray he Charles. Him. Yeah. But Chad Bozeman doesn't look like any of these guys and he still right. made it work, which is just it, odd. It wasn't until maybe like the last year or two I even knew what his real voice sounded like. Like, you know, because he would become these characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll tell you this. One of the, I had this conversation uh, a few years ago and when we were talking about like great black actors. Um, one of the guys who I felt that people didn't look at, look to enough was um, uh, Don Cheadle. And not so much because of the role, but I felt like he embodied whatever role he played. It wasn't Don Cheadle playing this role. You know, it was like, yo, I'm getting to this role. And I think with some of the guys, even like with Denzel, a lot of times it was Denzel playing somebody else. It was Denzel being this role where it's like, okay, he's going to give you that same stuff. I think that's kind of like with Chadwick. Like he embodied those roles so hard that, you know, you forgot that, you know, James Brown was Black Panther was Thurgood Marshall. You know what I'm saying? Like he 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 embodied those roles so much and made them 
you know, just a part of who he was. It was really impressive. And the fact that he was doing a lot of this stuff while he had colon cancer. I mean, Crazy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing. So basically from the time he had gotten the role of Black Panther, actually Thurgood Marshall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He'd already been diagnosed with at third, like stage three colon cancer at that yeah. point. And he was like, nah, okay, well, hey, I'm playing White House Money. I'm, 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 you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for it. And that's what he did. I mean, he killed, he killed everything he did after that. Like he, 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 he was killing before, but then he killed everything, right. like even doubly, you know, after Absolutely. that. Yeah. And you know, like we've all, you know, experienced a friend or a family member or somebody with cancer when you're having surgeries and you're doing chemo and all that stuff, like you can't work. You can't just like <laughs> go to your chemotherapy and then leave and go do press and go do red carpet and go make movies and do action scenes and do training. Like mm-hmm. that's not really even possible. So when I think about how he did that, I'm I, I have no idea because I've seen really, really strong people go through that and that's all they can do. That's all they can bear. And these are strong people. So how he did that, it it actually, for me, in my mind, defies logic. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, it really is. Rest in peace for real. He, yeah, he was amazing. Uh, I think uh, it's just, uh, I don't know. I haven't even spent a lot of time thinking about it. Like the first thing I want to do is like kind of go back and watch his films because uh, they're impressive, man. I mean, like just like he said, he he becomes characters, even the latest Spike Lee movie. uh, That's a great character. And you kind of um, you take for granted, like, uh, you know, people who and I guess the Black Panther thing really 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 put the imprint on it you know what i mean like he's not just a character he's he's like part of a phenomenon you know and and he was like the perfect person to do it you know uh because like when they casted that i was i was so you know i was like man he's gonna kill this you know and uh and now we i don't know (laughs) <laughs> like like he said it, it's, it sounds kind of stupid making it about films when he actually talking about someone who you know persevered in life and inspired so many people and especially kids and marvel fans and uh from anything on down so well i'll say this man i, I mean my thinking is i'm not the the most massive uh comic book movie guy even even some of the i've seen most of, i've probably seen all of them but i mean i didn't grow up with a huge connection to a lot of the characters i mean i collected some comic books here and there but like you know how you know people were standing in line and doing that for all those marvel movies nah it wasn't your boy like even here i think cookie know more about it i know g is a comic book head so he knows a lot about all the different guys for me it wasn't there um, but that Black Panther man, no matter what negative around that movie, just the moment as a black man, you know, just that moment was intense. When you see people, yeah. you know, 
we go to we went to the movies and we came back and did a podcast after. And I remember like that was a great one. walking. <laughs> yeah, we. Y'all, y'all, uh, we were y'all, in, y'all step, right? we, we were y'all enhanced. Got we were enhanced. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was a yeah. enhanced. Yeah. It was a if I can suggest, because I think uh, we should do it too, because we, we did a, a Black Panther podcast. Um, if y'all could repost that, I think that'd be tight. Uh, uh, I, we probably definitely would do that, man. But what I was going to say yeah. is I have, like, I went and got the movie, all of that, and I haven't watched it because, like, I just think about that moment, like that moment. That was like one of the few. I don't like going to the movie theater too much, you know. Even when I like watching movies, I like watching them at home, doing my thing. And I'm just thinking about that moment, how we felt, how you know what it represented at that time, and all of that. Like we don't get too many of those, man. And I mean, it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier with John Thompson, as you know, black men you don't see these type of roles you don't see these type of things so often so when they do man it it does mean more when i see all the pictures of young black boys or kids of all colors really you know wearing their black panther outfits and throwing up the wakanda sign and things like that to know that that existed and that he was a part of that is just really impactful man and you know you just got to step back and say, I know that his life meant so much more just, you know, as a human being, but you can take away what it meant to you and the effect that it had on the culture as well. Rest in peace. Uh, can can you take it easy on us 2020 for at least a little bit, you know, get us through. Um, Man, for real. Get us through the rest of the season, maybe get us to the election, maybe. Ooh, don't even, oh, don't even talk about that yet. That's wow. going to be nasty. <laughs> But um, we'll see. I don't know. There's got there's got to be. I mean, just like if you, you throw in the Rockets numbers, there's got to be a law of averages that get us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we always come back to that. That was a- <laughs> we're in the student slot right now, but we're gonna get back. <laughs> we're gonna get right. Oh man! Well, thanks, guys. Uh, you guys killed it. This is a good episode, and uh, thanks everyone who listens. And uh, be sure you're subscribing and all that good stuff. And and please check out uh, Wild Gents. Man. They're a lot of fun. You do yourself a favor. Those guys have a lot of fun on there, and they're fun to listen to. Man, I appreciate y'all having me on, man. We got to get, we got to do the, you know, the union again, the the everybody come through. But we got to have Sehova yeah. in the mix. Like, Sehova's got to be in there. And, you know, just, just we got to get her singing on the intro and just talking <laughs> random trash, you know, as she does, you know, so, so eloquently. So I'm yeah. down for that, man. No. I, I, I appreciate y'all fellas having me, having me on. Yeah, yeah this no is question. dope. All right. Thanks, guys. Peace. 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 Hey, to the now, to the now, 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 now.